Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 97th episode of the Truth Island podcast. An old expression that has managed to attach itself to our society is the one, it's never a good time to have kids. We are often told that every generation has its wars, famines, diseases, and economic hardships that make procreation immensely difficult. And yet, we as a species seem to keep on producing. Nearly all of the Abrahamic religions stress the importance of being fruitful and multiplying. However, a very good question to be asking ourselves is perhaps, why exactly should we? The U.S. Census tells us that among men between the ages of 40 and 50, nearly a quarter are not fathers and will most likely not go on to be fathers. What this means is that nearly one in four men will not have children. This number has been steadily increasing since the 1950s when being thought of as a family man was considered a virtue as employers were less worried that a prospective male hire would get up and run if they had a family to support. With the divorce rate hovering above 50%, it remains no mystery as to why men are becoming less likely to not only marry, but to have children. This number is roughly 9% points lower for women with only 16% of women reaching middle age without children. With this data in mind, some very important questions begin to emerge. Should everyone be having children? Are there certain milestones that a person should be expected to reach before deciding to have kids? And finally, how we as a society can start removing some of the stigma around men and women who don't wish to have children. Joining me as a part of the 60% of men over the age of 15 who currently do not have kids, I am once again joined by Patrick. So Patrick, I'm noticing a 9% difference between men and women. I'm wondering what's going on there. A little bit. Times are <laughs> changing, my friend. I think uh, it's it's okay these days not to, or at least it's more common not to want to have kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that, you know, I think one in four is a pretty darn big number. I, I think that's the highest that it ever has been. Right. And I I guess, I, you know, I, I, I guess I struggle because there is, you know, like if you talk to a biologist, a, a lot of biologists will say, well, the purpose of us is to procreate or reproduce like that. That, And, and you actually maybe have a little bit more of a science background and, and maybe you could speak to that. Do you think, do you think that a lot of this urge is just social conditioning or do you think that there is a biological imperative for us to keep reproducing as a species? Uh, that is a great question. I think it's probably one through the other. And what I mean by that is uh, there is a biological uh, imperative and that gets manifested through social conditioning. So, I mean, nobody really wants to admit it, but the reason that we do most of what we do is to have sex. You know, and I think, <laughs> you know, sex feels good. And so we don't think of it like procreating or doing it with the intention of creating a, a, a child. But most of the things that we do, getting a good job, being in shape, um, you know, wearing nice clothes, living in the right city, is to ultimately have sex. And I know that probably sounds like I'm diminishing it to a non-magical experience, but oh, you would get along. My my friend Kenny says life revolves around sex and money, and that's yeah. Just- <laughs> and, and it's it's really like evolution is a very very powerful and smart thing. I mean, it's not a it's like a force. I guess if you want to call it that. And and sort of everything we're designed to do is to to get us to have sex with somebody to have a kid. I mean, every organism's main priority is to make more of itself. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, 
That's what a virus does. That's what fish do. That's what we do. I get, yeah, us, us human viruses need to spread around the, uh, the ecosystem yeah. that we're inhabiting. Yeah. You know, you actually made me think of something that's super obvious. I'm actually like hitting myself on the back of the head is that I noticed that these trends in not having children also coincide with birth control, you know? So I'm wondering, like, I'm wondering if maybe birth control allows us to kind of satisfy our biological itch without that extra step of, of having a child as a result. Sure. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what it's for. I think some people would, I mean, you have your uber religious types who think that birth control is wrong for a variety of reasons, both like ethical, moral, and otherwise. But the reality is what separates us from a lot of species is, of course, you know, we do things for pleasure. We're not the only people who do that. We're not the only species that do that. And so sex is one of those things that, you know, someone like myself, I don't want kids. I happen to love kids, but I don't want any myself. There's too many in the world as there is. And, but I enjoy sex at the same time. And so I can separate the two. I know I'm driven by these feelings of sexuality, ultimately, because my genes want me to make a kid. Mm. Um, I'm just going to ignore them. Now, this is very important, what you're saying, because, you know, sometimes you have this conversation with other people and they just they refuse to believe you at your word. And this is this is something that I find very frustrating. Like I'm going to be honest, I don't have any I have no idea what I want um, in that in that domain. But a lot of people think that if you don't want to have children, there's something fundamentally wrong with you or that you're speaking a different language or it's like, no, 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 no. You truly don't know what it is that you want. Eventually, eventually it'll click. Right. And, and I, right. I kind of think that that's quite annoying. And I think there's a, a bit of condescension, you know, it's a, it's a condescending attitude to have with somebody to, to say that they are not, they, they are not, you know, the master of their own thoughts, or they are somehow not, you know, in charge of their mental faculties. I'm wondering how you deal with those people, Patrick. Um, yeah, I tend to ignore people like that. I think people, for some reason, decide to fall on either side of this issue. I just in the middle, on the one hand, there's a lot of people who don't want to have kids. And that's just normal. It's like, myself, personally, I love children, but that's a terrible excuse to have one you have to commit so much and you are, you, you know, if you bring a, a child into the world, you owe that child everything. And to be quite honest, I'm just too selfish to do that because I know that I'll either, hopefully I will do what's right, but be, you know, miserable in the lack of like, you know, what happens to my life and then go through a midlife crisis. Or if I was a, a lesser person, I would just ignore that child, which happens to so many kids, you know, it's a lot of kids. And this sounds crazy, but there's just too many children in the world. There's too many people. Like I shouldn't be here, but I'm here, you know? And so I think that when people say that, you know, you should want to have children or people say that, you know, why do you want to have children? It's possible just to sit in the middle. You know, I, I don't feel the need to have kids and I don't care if people think it's weird. Uh, a lot of people have kids for the complete wrong reasons and, you know, they shouldn't be having kids. I, I, I can make a stronger case for that that people have kids for the wrong reason. Oh, we'll, we'll definitely be going into yeah. there. Don't worry, my friend. We're, we're going to get there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's better not to have kids at all than have kids for the wrong reason because you, you're essentially bringing a soul into the world and throwing them into a terrible situation. 
we're, I'm gonna, we're gonna slowly walk our way into that territory. So okay, I think sure. one fallacy of thought that keeps coming up, like you described yourself a second ago as being like selfish or whatever. A mm -hmm. lot of people will make the argument of like, yeah, when you're single, we're all selfish. Like that's just how it is. And then boom, a child pops into the world and suddenly like core and fundamental personality qualities about yourself are just going to magically change, just right. ma ma magically change. And I think that that's, that's kind of like not a very realistic thing to think, right? Like, like I was speaking to a, a therapist on this program a few episodes ago, and she said that your certain core things about yourself pretty much solidify at the age of 25. Like you are who you are in terms of your personality at the age of 25. So I scratch my chin and think to myself, geez, it's kind of weird to believe that core fundamental personality qualities are just going to change upon having a child. I mean, it's possible. You go through a lot of biochemical changes. I, every person, every good friend of mine or relative that's had a kid has said it's the best thing they've ever done. And I believe them. I really do. But mm. they all wanted to have children. Ah. So it's quite possible that you and I could have a, a kid and we, re we have this epiphany like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever done. That is 100% possible. But I don't want to take that chance because what if it's not? And suddenly I brought this child into the world and I'm not 100% devoted to them. I mean, I would hopefully do the right thing. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to believe that you're not married literally or figuratively to anyone. You can walk away from anyone except your kid because mm. you brought them here. So you owe them that. Now, that's interesting what you said, that the people who think that it's the best thing that ever happened to them. Well, they're kind of living a, a self-fulfilled prophecy. They wanted to have children. They thought that children would bring them happiness. Mm -hmm. And then the prophecy came true. So I think that that's, that's a really smart lens that we should be looking at this is like, who exactly is telling us this? Yeah, I think that people will tend to justify anything. It's like the same people who say there's a reason for everything. Well, essentially, they're saying that because ultimately, whatever heartache you're going through, you'll get over it something good will happen and you'll say to yourself, hey, this good thing happened because I went through that rough time. Hmm. But they're not related to each other. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at it that way. It's a good way to sort of like get over your past. And if that helps you, do that. Um, but as far as children go, some people were born to have families, to be moms and dads. I do believe that. They just, they love what they do. They, you know, there's a, there's a maternalism or a paternalism about them that they, they desperately want that. I don't identify with that because I just don't want to have children. Although I love kids, I have nieces and nephews and I love them as much as you, I can love anything. However, I just, I think that people have, uh, are often not honest with themselves. I mean, it's more difficult for women, obviously, because they have a limited time within which, and they have a ton of social pressure. Oh yeah, acting. yeah, way worse, way worse. So it's, 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 very, it's complicated to be a woman who doesn't have children because you're getting it from all angles. You know, you're getting it from your friends, either um, overtly or covertly. You're getting it from your family, most likely. As a guy, there's something, you know, I found as I've gotten older without being married or having kids, there's something charming about that. People think it's hilarious. You know, they're like, you're still single with no kids? Huh, what an interesting guy. I didn't do anything. I just, I just didn't get married. <laughs> I love it. So it's like an like a pseudo asset for us, right? Like, yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, a cool, I'm, a way. Cool, I'm a cool uncle, right? Like, I think yeah. there's like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do feel for women. I, I feel like they, they do get the raw end of the stick mm. on that one. And I, I have sure. to say it's, it's that that's not right. You know, 
I'm wondering like with with this, like I, I feel like we have all of these like personality tests. I don't even like personality tests. I, I think that there needs to be a lot more work in because you and I are highly self-aware of who we are. Like, you know, we've done a lot of investigation, a lot of reading, a lot of soul searching. And to, to arrive at that, like that, that the, the thing you just said a few minutes ago, like, hey, I, I'm, I'm kind of like really into the things that I'm into. That takes a lot of investigative work and it takes a lot of maturity and it takes a lot of soul searching to come to these conclusions. I think we need to do a lot more work in creating personality tests and, and sort of other kind of metrics to help people kind of discover what it is that they want out of life. We, we do that. We, we, we have like the big five. We have all of these personality tests. But when it comes to the most fundamental decisions in life, marriage and having children, nothing. There's, no, there's, no per, there's nothing there to actually guide you and, and inform you of whether this is a good choice for you or not. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good observation. I think that with our society, and by that I mean the West, I don't mean America per se, um, there's no transition into adulthood. There's no, there's no rite of passage. I mean, we have like these ceremonies, but they're just ceremonial. They don't mean anything. And so yeah. I think we are stuck with a society, and I'll throw myself in here, of children, basically, people who never graduated into adulthood. And so it's sort of like somebody getting married at 21 is insane to me. <laughs> yes, in New York, only because in, the, in the land of New York, that is insane, okay? I, in, I would <laughs> argue anywhere, and here's why. I know that people, people can love each other their entire lives. I do not doubt that. And so I, I'm not poo-pooing that. I think that you have so much growing to do through your 20s and there's things that you should be doing. Like you should be alone, you should travel, you should experience difficult things. You should have your heart broken. You know, I, I'm going through a difficult breakup right now with somebody who was in their early twenties. And part of the reason I think that it, it's so difficult for me is because they are, we're not speaking the same language on a lot of things because I've yeah. been through 20 years of, of other things and she has not. And so it's sort of like we've reached an impasse where we couldn't, we couldn't see eye to eye on things and that's nobody's fault. And so I think that in lieu of a personality test, people need to experience the world more and they need to travel more and they need to have more experience before you bring a person to the world because it's so easy. You know, making a baby is the easiest thing in the world. In fact, it's the most fun thing in the world. Mm, Any yeah. idiot can do it. You know, had a, had a kid on a whim. So think of all the people in the world who are just unhappy by virtue of the fact of who their parents were and the way that their parents treated them. And they had no control over that. I think it's, a, it's become like a necessity that you know, to really reach middle-class prosperity, it takes a really long time in this country, mm -hmm. much longer than ever, ever before, right? And, you know, again, I, I think of my grandfather, World War II GI, got out of the service, had some kids, worked as a waiter, had a house, you know, owned his house, you know, took out a mortgage, paid off the mortgage, two cars, you know, middle-class livelihood. And you didn't need college. You didn't need all of these. You didn't have to jump through all these hoops to, to reach middle-class prosperity back then. So I think it was like less damaging to have children back then because it was easier in terms of like, there was just, you know, you could have any type of job. And as long as you put in your 40 hours, um, you're going to love this one, Patrick. My grandfather was a waiter and he was a part of a union, right? At that time, <laughs> waiters were actually unionized and they actually, right, yeah. you know, had certain benefits and so forth. And I, I think that as we've tragically gotten away from that, 
it's impossible to really have kids, I think, in your 20s, unless you're like super, like, unless you're like Prince Harry or one of these whatever guys or something. Like, if you're just a regular schmo, there's no way that you have one, the financial like resources to really make that happen. And two, I actually agree with you. I think that you need at least a decade of, of, of journey and of exploration to see who you are, what, you know, try yourself in, you know, trying yourselves in different roles and in different positions and seeing exactly what sticks. Whereas I think that people that just have children at, at like 21, it's like, well, they never got to see what was out there. They never got to right. see what was over the mountain. And maybe yeah. they don't like what's on the other side of the mountain. Maybe it's terrible and God awful. And they're like, no, 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 I'm ready to have kids. But I think every man owes it to himself to see and every woman perhaps for as long as possible to, to, to see what's out there and then make an informed decision. You know what yeah. I mean? I think just make an informed decision. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. The benefits of travel are endless, but First and foremost, it does allow you to transition into this adulthood state that I was talking about that would make you a better parent, frankly. You know, I think that uh, a lot of people, especially if you come from a small town and maybe you didn't go to college, that's the life that you think lays down the road for you. And so that's the one you take. I, I can't argue with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I just, I think with the resources that we at, in America have, you're just, you, you are doing yourself a disservice and you'd be a better parent if you went out and had these experiences and you became a wiser person and you went out and lived your life. Uh, because I think people have these midlife crises uh, and that's a result of not doing these things in your youth. I think the you get married right out of college or you get married in your early twenties and then suddenly you're a woman or a man in your late thirties and you're like, God, I didn't really do much. Like, what did I miss? And you'll start to feel these pulls in different directions. I always think of the dog from um, Call of the Wild. <laughs> where he's like inside the house and he can hear the other dogs howling and he gets, you know, this anxious feeling. And that happens to people. I think that happens to people as well. And, you know, again, we're, I'm talking on one side of the extreme. There's a lot of people who are wonderful parents and they're ha they're perfectly happy. I have oh, no yeah. doubt. No, so absolutely. I'm not disparaging that one bit. I just, I mean, talking from a personal stance, I think my character has changed so much because of the travel I've done. And I don't mean like going off and sitting on a beach in Thailand. I've done some really difficult travel where I didn't want to be there and I hated every second of it, but it, it taught me something and I saw the world and now I can kind of look through different lenses when I need to. I mean, you see a lot of crazy poverty if you go to certain places and boy, does that make you think about having kids because you see these children running around digging through trash heaps. I've seen this in, in Asia and in even parts of <clears throat> like Eastern Europe. And it really, it, it hits you hard. And you think about that. Like if I, if I were to ever have a kid, I would really want to provide for that kid. Absolutely. I, I think, I, I think that sometimes I've seen so many children that even in America, not, not to the point of digging through trash and starvation. Okay. Not, not that level, but I've seen so many children that are just poorly taken care of. That's almost that, as bad. That, yeah. that is equally as bad. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, well, we'll get to that in a moment, but it's very interesting what you said about this traveling and stuff. And this actually is it's funny how all these podcast episodes I seem to be doing seem to feed into one another. The very last podcast that I recorded, we even talked about like the Amish 
who, you know, ultra religious, love, you know, have children multiply, but even they take their young men at 19, 20 and say, you're going to go out for four or five years. You're going to have fun. You're going to do crazy stuff. You're going to go drive a car and do whatever. And then you're going to make a decision about what it is that you want to do. So even, even the, the Amish and ultra religious communities get that they actually get that that is a vital stage of development to go out and be wild and, and to really learn who you are. And then it's, it's more consensual. I think, I think, I think that when you, if you're forcing somebody to have a kid at like 19 or 20, it's kind of like student loan debt. It's like, you're not really in a mental state of mind to make an appropriate decision. You don't really know Jack about anything. And I'm like, I think to make, to make, to give you a fighting chance, they ought to give you at least like five or six years into your twenties to at least figure out what the hell, you know, what the hell the world looks like. And then, then you will actually have a fighting chance of making the right choice. I agree. Totally. I love that Amish thing, the Rumspringer. I mean, it's so, ironically, it's so forward thinking because, <laughs> well, they're giving you the choice. They're saying, listen, if you want to be here, it is your choice. And I, I have a lot of respect for that versus uh, other insular slash religious communities who have traditions that just sort of like convertly um, discourage people from leaving. And, you know, it, it's it, you have to like leave a religion. I think that that puts people in this, state of mind whereas when you have when you have an open door and they're like listen you can leave whenever you want then you are there because you want to be there and that's a healthy way to do it absolutely and it's funny because they have that kind of like relaxed revolving door type thing for at least a few a, a number of years right. like 90% do end up coming back and of just, course and then, you know Especially. because it's like it's like because the idea behind this is that when you threaten first off right 90% turnover is beautiful. I mean, to get that's 90, incredible. That's incredible turnover right there. And then that 10%, well, your community is probably better off that you don't have a you know 10% of men who really don't want to be there being there. I think right. as as I get older, I realize one of the most damaging things that we can do is force people to do stuff they don't really want to do. I think that yeah. that is the source of all conflict and and tension and so forth. So I think I think I think they just also have confidence in in the in the style of living that they have. They're like they're going to come back. Believe it's not yeah. that great out there. <laughs> or or they say they, you know, if they don't come back, then they shouldn't be here, you know, because they're, they're not going to contribute to the community. I mean, it's a really, it's a beautiful metaphor mm-hmm. for a lot of things, but particularly love, you know, yeah. and not to, not to um, go off the trail too far, but basically if you, if you really truly love somebody, you in a sense, set them free and give them the option to be there or not. And that is how you show people you love. And I think you could make an argument that the Amish show these people that they love them by giving them freedom. Yeah, yeah. And then look what happens. 90% of them come back. I mean, that is an amazing stat. Yeah, that is. That is. They should um, definitely be proud to put that in like Python or R, one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to I wanna get into like some of the dark territory here. Let's do it. And this is where our teaching experience comes in, you know, 10 years, nine years. I've, I've had many parents. My first parent-teacher conference I had about 150 kids in my caseload, 150 kids. And I remember that very first parent-teacher conference, I had about three parents come and visit me. And those three parents were actually the kids that were doing just fine. (laughs) And and that was it. And and I did not hear anything else. 
I made phone calls, I called, I, you know, did everything in my power to get in contact with these parents, especially the parents who had children that were really struggling. And I think the world needs to hear this because, you know, every, there is this myth and it's actually a myth that's actually addressed in Tolstoy's book called Anna Karina. Please everyone read it immediately. Um, and the myth goes that like every mother loves their child. Okay, and this is a sacred cow right now that we're going to touch, right? How every mother loves their child. Well, Tolstoy in this book, you know, Anna Karina talks about a woman who abandons her child and ends up committing suicide, you know, and just throws herself underneath a train. Sorry, sorry for the spoiler there. And, and this book was when this book hit Russia, oh my God, people went crazy. They were like, how, how dare you, how dare you put this in a book, Mr. Tolstoy, and so forth. I've thought about that book. And when I've been in parent-teacher conferences, I think about it all the time, all the time. I've had parents just hang up on me. I've had parents just like, be like, I'm busy. I've had parents tell me, I don't give a shit about what my kid is doing. You know, I don't right. just leave me alone, leave me alone. And sometimes I would call their house, their house number, man. And it's like, if, if I'm calling your house number, it's safe to say you're probably at, not at work, right? And this is obviously before COVID, you know? So like you're at home. It looks like you got a bunch of free time right now. I'm calling you with some really important information about your kid. It seems like you don't really care all that much about what's going on. And I think that this is an ugly truth that we, 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 need, we must start grappling with as a society. Because I think right now we're under the paradigm that every parent loves their kid. And I'm sorry, it's just not true. Like I, my, my tenures have taught me, it's just not true. There are some very, very selfish parents out there. Yeah, well, any idiot can have a kid. It's the easiest thing to do. Uh, there's no guarantee. I mean, you would think that the necessary emotions would kick in because you're bringing somebody to the world. But I think the reason that there's so much strife and unhappiness historically, not just today, but forever, is because not only do people who shouldn't have kids have kids, they also, in a sense, just take their all their shit and then they just dump it on their children. And then the cycles, you know, it's been going on for tens and thousands of years, if not hundreds of thousands. And I think the world would be a much better place if people just thought about having children. I mean, not to disparage homeless people whatsoever, because I have tremendous sympathy for them. But you see a lot of pregnant homeless people which makes sense, you know, people will chide them for that. But, you know, I'm sure one of the only comforts they have in an, an awful world for them is sex with other people. But then they get pregnant and they're bringing a child into this awful situation, like this terrible situation. And so what do you do? It's a very, it's a tricky one. But then it's like you said, like I, I had the same experience, although probably a little bit less at, while I was teaching. Some of these people just should not have had kids, you know, and that sounds awful, obviously, but it's not the kid's fault. It's just you have people who really weren't designed to have children. I mean, we have this thing in Western society. You grow up, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, have kids. And because nobody questions that and because that's just like gospel, you get a lot of shitty parents. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. And, and I want to I wanna really think about what we're saying and how we could potentially correct this because it, it definitely needs correcting. 
I, I imagine, you know, with a lot of these kids who have parents that are, are just completely aloof and apathetic and so forth, I imagine like how things could have been different if those parents would have, because a lot of these parents are young, you know, like, you know, I, I was teaching teenagers. So you would, sometimes you would have parents, you know, as young as like 36, 37, 38. And it's like, right. when you do the math, you're like, okay, you had a kid, you know, in your early twenties, maybe even late teens. And I always think to myself, how radically different their life would have been if they would have just taken their 20s, right? Just taken their 20s, had some fun. And then, you know, I'm not, maybe they would have decided not to have kids, or maybe they would have been able to work their way to a economically viable place. Because I think a lot of these parents who, who are working are working really crappy jobs, jobs that they hate, and they feel stuck. And what ends up happening is that these parents have kids at a young age. And then in order to support that child, they have to take whatever job is available to them at that particular moment, which is yeah. typically not the, the best options available. And what ends up happening is they end up seeing their child as an object of resentment. Like you're the thing that's preventing me from doing, from being a physicist or whatever. You're the thing that's preventing me from being an actor or an actress. You know, they see their child, their child comes to embody all of the things that they wish that they could be. And I, 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 I saw so much of that, so much of that going on. And I, I always wonder of like, geez, this whole, tra this, this whole travesty could have just been prevented if you would have properly lived out your 20s and actually found out who you were. Right. Well, let's go even darker and talk about- um... I don't know if it can get any darker. <laughs> <laughs> If we go to like, if we go to a lower socioeconomic scale, um, so these are, you know, people who don't have the resources in their 20s to go out and live their lives, they don't get an education, whatever it may be. So we're talking the children of the children of people who shouldn't have had children. That's an even more disturbing thing, because where do you even start with that? Usually it's like two teenagers are seeing each other or whatever it is, they have sex, and then the girl gets pregnant, and then her life is essentially not ruined, but it's set out before her, like before she has a chance to do anything, she's now saddled with the ultimate responsibility. And so the question becomes, where do you, where do you interrupt the system? Where do you interrupt this cycle? And maybe that is a function of, I don't know, early education or being straight with your kids. I mean, it all, of course, stems from your relationship with your children. I feel like if you have a very healthy relationship with your children, the chances of your children making a mistake like getting pregnant or getting someone else pregnant probably drops off precipitously. I have no data to back that up. But my feeling is that if you talk to your kids and you have a good relationship with them and you listen to them, they, you know, I, I think the chances of them ending up in a, in a situation like that just, just are less. Now, here's I'm curious to get your perspective, because, um, you know, I taught in public school, you taught in private school. Mm -hmm. From what I gathered, and I'm, I'm thinking back to my own sex ed classes, and I never taught sex ed, but it seems like in, in these sex ed classes, there's no, they can't, they're not allowed to really tell you, like, you should be doing this first before having children. It kind right. of just, it, they can teach you about condoms, which I think is great. <laughs> they can teach you about birth control. They can teach you about plan B. Like they can, they're allowed to teach you all of the, they can give you all the tools that you need uh, in order to do this. I don't think that anyone's explicitly allowed to say, hey, 
you probably want to wait until you're after 25 or you want to wait until you have completed college or that you have a career and you've been working at that kind of stuff is kind of taboo. And I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you would get fired for saying that. I don't know what would happen, but for whatever reason, teachers are very uncomfortable just having these like point blank discussions because there probably will be an angry parent that will fight back and say how did you know like you know my my young so-and-so is set to get married when she's 19 and have three kids and that's just the way it is so there's a very there's a very there's like a cultural barrier where it's like we can teach you the tools and so forth but we can't pass any judgment and I think that the sex ed teacher should be allowed to say Hey guys, here's here's some stats. Here's some stats about poverty, and here's some stats about having kids before you reach these milestones and thresholds. You know, again, I don't believe there should be any legislation or anything, you know, crazy stuff like sterilization or whatever. The, the, not, not, like we're all we all have free will and we all have free choice, but I think at the very least, make the statistics available. Make the statistics available. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that seems even like it might not even be effective enough. I think you need like a radical change to the whole way we do things. I think the first and foremost is that Americans in particular have this really hilariously Victorian relationship with sex where, you know, you can show people getting all sorts of murder and crime and violence on TV. No problem. But Janet Jackson bears one of her nipples and like the, pl- the, the place loses its mind. Like America goes crazy. And so because there's this taboo around sex, there's no straight talk about it. And I think that is one of the just like huge problems is that we can't talk about these things. How are you supposed to address it? How are you supposed to educate a kid? You know, like it, should I ever have kids, which is probably not going to happen, but let's say I have a daughter, which would just be so fitting. Right. <laughs> I would, I would tell her like, look, a lot of these guys in their, you know, in their early teens, late teens are just trying to have sex with you because that is what's on their mind right now. You shouldn't take it personally. They're not bad people. They're just little balls of hormones that are just trying to impregnate you, even though they don't want to do that. But that's, that's what their genes are telling them to do. And she would have to be smart about it. You know, I think also there's a component. We'll get even deeper. Is that- Sorry, I, I think you're sounding like a great father right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That thing is, ironically, I think I'd be a great dad, but that's a terrible excuse for a kid. You know, I, I think that if you if you can convince a little kid early, this is getting way off talk, but it all does it all does tie together. If you can convince somebody that to be loved is is a bonus in life and that it's not a completion, you're not looking for somebody to complete you. In fact, it's impossible, you know then that person's idea of sex would be so much different because I think we all do different things for different reasons in, in terms of love and sex, right? Mm. Some people need to have a girlfriend or boyfriend. Some people don't want to. Some people will go out and get drunk and have sex with people because they're, they're fulfilling some need, right? And that need always extends to, it, it, there's something inside us that we're trying to fill up with some, some sort of thing. And often people will use other people to do it. They'll use sex. And they'll use what they think is love, but it's not love. It's actually codependence. And it's just this form of like, um, it's, it's a need that they're fulfilling. And I think if you, can, if you can shape a kid to be healthy in that department and teach them that what love actually means, mm. their understanding of how to use sex in their life would change radically. And their chances of getting pregnant would drop to probably zero. I think so. For, for, you've made some really great points here, Patrick. And I think one, um, 
I, I think that you're like a, a parent's I like how you said that we as Americans have like a shyness about sex and that oh, might crazy. be, that might be preventing a father from taking a banana and showing his son how to put a condom on it or whatever. And I'm like, listen here, dude, you need to get over your shyness and teach right. your kid about this banana and this condom here, because you don't want your son to, to, to impregnate a girl when he's 19 years old in his sophomore year of college. And every, you know, his life chances are just, you know, flushed down the toilet. So that that's a, fundamental responsibility of parents. I think, I think you're right. I think, I think that like, I'm immediately going to what can the state do, but you're, you know what though? I don't really like the state coming in and having to do all of this. I think, I think having a parent in the household that can actually be like, Hey son, I don't want to see you having a kid before 25 or whatever you need to achieve X, Y, and Z that, that needs to start happening in households once again, or, or sure. You know, I say once again. I don't know if it ever did happen in households. It needs to start happening, and th- that shyness factor needs to 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 completely like we need to just have these very point blank. And a lot of these conversations, Patrick, they're like two hours. I'm like, you could have a two hour conversation with your kid and completely change their life trajectory. Do you know how incredibly easy that is? What what a freaking sure. trade off. You'll sure. never, you'll never get a return on investment like that. Two hours for uh, shaping the entire trajectory of a child. That's amazing. Yeah. And you could go even further than that and say that if you just talk to your kids often and honestly, you know, I, I always tried, I'm sure you did the same thing as a teacher to be like, listen, you can ask me whatever you want. And, and a lot of times that gets interpreted as like, oh, this guy's trying to be like Mr. Cool Teacher. And I was <laughs> like, no, honestly, like as long as it's not inappropriate or illegal, I'll answer it because you guys are kids and you're curious about stuff and you just, you, you deserve an answer, you know? Yeah. So they would ask me about drugs and things like that. And I try to give them a very like objective answer that would answer their question because what you don't want is you don't want a bunch of kids who are armed with uh, incorrect knowledge or none at all going off. I May mean, I think about my relationship with alcohol started at 15 and I was getting super tanked on Friday nights. I mean, it's a terrible way to learn to do it. Whereas if somebody had sat me down or it, if alcohol had been in the household and my parents taught me to be responsible about it, I probably wouldn't have been doing that. A lot of these behaviors that we see later on that get magnified and that have actual consequences are things that just were taboo. Anything that's taboo is coming up somewhere. You know, and you tell a kid like you cannot drink, they're going to want to drink more. That's, you know, I I mean, I I think what we're doing on this podcast is fantastic because we are going into some murky taboo territory, but I'm like, well, you can't be afraid of anything in this world because if you're afraid of talking about certain issues, well, then negative outcomes are going to continue to happen. The only way that you can combat these negative things from happening is by having dialogue and having discussions. So I think that in our culture and in our society, there should be no shyness. And I, I, I think that, um, I, I don't know, Patrick, if you were, let's say, a father and had a daughter, right? I mean, I think having a conversation about the pill is is probably not a bad idea. You know, like, I, I don't know why, I don't know why th- there is like that reluctance. It's like, do you really want your daughter to be that girl who's pregnant at 17, 18 years old? I, you know, and I, I would say the answer is probably not, but you also realize, you know, you also realize that they have sexual desires and right. And like, you know, um, it's funny, our last, the last episode I did was on abstinence 
And okay, is that going to work? Probably not. Like complete abstinence in your teenage years and, and young adult years? No. But actually integrating the conversation about how you could fulfill your desires without bringing another life into this world and then combining that with love. Well, now, now we're, now we're ending, we're ending cycles of poverty right now, just by having these conversations. Yes, exactly. Right. You could talk to your kids about, I mean, speaking of love and that's such an important component and I typically don't believe in love too much, but a lot of times kids make dumb moves because they're under the sway of intense emotions, right? Yes. Teenagers particularly, they don't know how to handle them. And so when they fall in love, they fall in love hard. And when they break up, it's the worst, it's the end of the world. Although it doesn't change really as you get older. But separating sex, like there's a, there's a way to sort of talk about sex. It's not clinical and you can talk about it honestly. And I mean, it's easy for us to talk about this because we don't have kids. And I'm sure that having a kid, having a conversation with your teenage kid about sex is probably mortifying for the kid and they don't want to be there. <laughs> but I, but if you're honest and you're like, look, this is for your own good. And, you know, at some point, if I had a daughter, like some point you're going to feel very strongly for someone you want to, you're going to want to have sex with them. I'm like, and I can't control what you do. And sort of like you use the Amish trick where you're like, listen, you do whatever you want because you're your own person and I'm not going to be there to stop you, obviously. But just think about the consequences of that. If you get pregnant, your life is over, meaning like you'll never get to go out and do those things you want to do. If you get an STD, you'll carry that around forever, if not worse. And so there's a way that like undeem demonify this so that kids don't feel because you know like kids hate talking about this stuff because they think their parents are idiots and they don't understand and yet at the same time they're terribly confused about all the things they're experiencing and they don't know how to process those things and so a lot of times we're left to our own devices and that's why we're all such messes right because you have to figure this stuff out on your own a lot of the stuff you don't figure out correctly and you make the wrong assumptions and so we're all carrying these things from childhood that affect us into adulthood and that's not how it should be and i think it starts with parenting but it also, it's communication and it's being open, particularly with sex, because sex is like, we're, we're so, uh, I forget the word I'm looking for, but we're just like, we're so prudish in this country about sex. It's, it's ridiculous. And I think it's a holdover from the, the, the pilgrims that came over because there's a, there was a, a religious element to the 13 colonies that, that, that sort of this Puritanism that, that is held over today. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. I, I agree. I think we need to get over those. Like if we, if we are serious about ending poverty, if, we, if we're really, and, and this is what it comes down to, if we're really serious, then I think we need to have these conversations about like, if you don't want to raise your kid in poverty, here's what you need to achieve first. And here, here are the life experiences. Here's the thing. And I would say even, you know, as you and I know, even having a college degree is not a golden ticket to anything anymore. So no. like, there's a lot of things that need to be in place before you even think about having a kid. And if we don't get over this taboo of having these difficult conversations, the cycle of poverty will go on forever and ever and ever. It'll never, it'll never break. It'll just right. absolutely never break. Okay. The next thing I want to move on to is, you know, of, of our, let's say 25% of men or 16% of women. I think a part of this also is stigma, right? So a lot of people, and I think 
women are very vulnerable to this at the age of around 35 or something where that stigma, you're going to be an old maid, you're going to be, a, a, in, you know, in China, they would say you're a leftover woman, like this very nasty language yeah. um, that, that, that we kind of have over this. I think removing that stigma is also going to be very beneficial because I think a lot of, especially women, they, they get into that 35, 36, you know, age range and they just chase whatever guy is out there. He could be a complete douchebag or whatever. They chase the first guy that they see and they're just like, well, well, the, the stigma of not having a kid is far worse than, than uh, marrying this douchebag or whatever it is. Right. That needs to change and it needs to change ASAP because I, I, I think that a lot of women are being pressured into hooking up you know, with whatever is available. And what ends up happening is that they don't really, they, there's probably a reason why they reach the age of 35, 36 without having kids. They, they maybe just don't want to have it. But now, but now this stigma is forcing them to do something that they don't really want. And they, they're not really prepared to do, or they haven't found the right person to do it with. And that, that's actually going to, I think, mitigate misery completely. If we start scrubbing a lot of these stigmas and stereotypes off people's plate. I think once we start doing that, then people are going to have much more free will in how they decide to live their life and, and subsequently not bring children into this world who then also go on to live miserable lives because they're not being properly cared for. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty tall order, but I think <laughs> you're talking about social convention, which is powerful. You know, we, we are social creatures. We live in a society and uh, most people fall under the sway of these conventions. And one of them for women in America, at least, is that if you're not married in your 30s, that's unusual, it's odd. And if you don't have kids, it's the same sort of thing. I think things are certainly better today, but to that, I would say two things. Um, I don't know how you would go about removing the stigma. Again, I think it really has to do with, this will sound strange, but individual character, you know? Mm, so yeah. like most people are afraid to go against the grain. They're afraid to do this. And I think at the, at the root of all of that, and this will be, an odd twist is loneliness. I think people are absolutely petrified to be alone. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's why people, it's, as you said, get married in their thirties to people they otherwise wouldn't. It's why people get desperate. It's why that's oftentimes why people want to have kids um, because there's a, there's a loneliness inherent in getting old without a, a you know, a husband and kids and, most people will tell you the greatest thing I ever did in my life was as my children. And then, you know, that during Thanksgiving, you have your family around you and you want to be in your deathbed with your family all around you. So I can understand the pressures that people feel. I just think that that's a myth and it's, it's a trick to get people to just fall in line because there's something about people who go outside of the norms that make other people uncomfortable, whether it's uh, women who don't have children and like I said, to be a man in, in your 40s and 50s, like a, a bachelor, is rather charming. You're, you're looked down like a, a George Clooney. No one's ever compared me to George Clooney. But like, <laughs> that's that quality. He's like, oh, he's just, you know, he's got a twinkle in his eye and he, he knows what he wants out of life. So he never found the one to settle. He didn't want to be tied down. And it's, <laughs> it's seen as a virtue. They're like, it's seen as like, a, a, like, oh, he's got character. He's got confidence. Whereas if a woman, they're like, what the hell's wrong with her? Why isn't she married? You know, and I think it's it's a total double standard and it's unfair, but it's only because women, of course, are saddled with this biological thing where they can only have kids for X amount of years. 
And so all the pressure falls on them. So they're like, if they're not having kids, like you and I, I can impregnate someone on my deathbed. That would be a hell of a way to go out, right? But I can essentially. A woman has a has a, a window that she's that she is um, can have kids in, and so that creates these crazy pressures to them. And I, I I really do feel bad for women in that regard. I think that women in their twenties kind of are on top of the world because they're young and beautiful, and basically lots a lot of things are easier for that. But then when they hit their thirties, the pressure hits. I, I read this article one time. And it was it was by a very very famous swimsuit model in the '80s, and she mm. said that when she got to 50, she became invisible. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting because society values the young, beautiful woman, and then they sort of discard the older women who have lost their their sheen, right? And so I think there's a lot of crazy pressure on women, kids, and to not do that shows real character. That's you know it, it is cruel, and I think I think us guys have the complete opposite when you're when you're in a bar when you're 20 no no girl like no girl wants to talk to a dude that's like younger than her and and has, yeah. is still in the like middle of college or something like but then you you turn like 50 and you got like that nice gray beard or whatever and <laughs> yeah. salt and pepper hair get a little money in the bag yeah and- yeah then then suddenly you're like oh wow this guy's a value um okay i want to jump into some of these like I think loneliness is at the heart of this. And I think you're right. You've actually identified exactly the variable that's uh, scaring people. So I think the easiest way to dispel this is to say having kids is no guarantee of not being alone. I think that's the easiest way to kind of dispel this myth because one, you can have kids and then I've, I've known your, you can get a divorce. So your husband's gone or your, your husband's out of the picture or whatever, like, right. So that's no guarantee. And I hate to say it, there's a lot of older folk who their kids move away to a different state and, mm-hmm. and don't really, you know, it's having a kid is not some kind of magical insurance policy that when you turn 80, they're going to be at your beck and call, um, getting you warm milk and cookies. Like they, they might be, Hey, I'm out to California. I'm out to Florida. I'm, you know, Oregon, whatever, you know? So there's no guarantees that having kids is going to make sure that you have, you know, perpetual care and perpetual, you know, Thanksgiving or whatever. Yeah, it might be nice to, to have someone in your life that could take power of attorney if it ever got to that level. But by that point, you're probably so jacked up on morphine and out of it that you have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> I, you know, like, and there's some, you know, so like, I, I, I say that, like, that, that is the easiest thing to look at here is that when you have kids, don't do it because you think that you're going to get like, it's not interest. When you have a child, this is not like compound interest that when they turn 25 and they graduate from medical school, now you have this wonderful trophy to be proud of that's going to take care of you forever. There's no guarantees of that in life at all. None whatsoever. Your kid could be a total screw up and none of that stuff actually ends up happening. So I think that people have to decide to have kids, not because they're fearful of the future, but because it's actually an endeavor that they want to partake in. Sure. Totally. I would go further and say people need to at least face their loneliness if they want to be happier in life, just in general. Cause I think most of life's problems or most of life's uh, ills and kind of downtimes come from either the fear of loneliness or loneliness itself. And loneliness is, is merely just a fear that you're going to be alone forever. And we, a lot of people don't have practice with it. And when they taste it, it's horrifying to them. And so 
children nor a family, nothing. I mean, I've heard it said, and I believe it, that um, being married to someone who is ignoring you is the loneliest place you can be ever. It's like, it's lonelier than not having anyone at all because you're, you're truly alone. And there's just no magic pill. And again, I think uh, there's, there should be no reason to have a child except that you just have a child. I mean, some people, they wanna have children and they wanna have a family and then they're very happy. And so I, I of course believe it's possible. And I think that those people are, are lucky to have found something to give them meaning in life that, that makes them happy. Yes, I, th- I think I think you're right. You can actually feel alone with a whole family, you know, oh, a lot sure. because yes. you, you, you could have if you don't, let's say you don't love your husband or you don't love your wife. Okay, well, you're going to feel alone in that moment. You're not mm-hmm. really loving your kid and not really bonding with them or whatever. You got an angry teenager in the house who slams his door or whatever doesn't want anything to deal with you. And you're like, Oh, man, this this kid's preventing me from being or whatever. So you could be just as isolated and just as alone in that scenario as you would be a bachelor in a studio apartment. The same level of loneliness is, a, is, is happening. And, and one of the things that I've discussed on previous episodes of this podcast is just because you are surrounded by bodies does not mean that you are not alone. That, that is completely yeah. false. You can surround yourself and go to many parties and surround yourself. I've gone to many parties, been surrounded by tons of bodies, Ton, you know, especially in the lower West village or whatever, you know, you go to one of these bars and you got that stupid bracelet that they put around your wrist and you're like a, you know, a pig to a watering hole, just trying to get fed. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, you yeah. can, you can, you can like brush against as many bodies as you want. That's not going to fill your, your loneliness void at all. That's not going to make yeah. a difference. And yeah. I think, I think you're right. And I think that, Maybe you and I, I can only speak for myself, but I've spent a lot of time alone and I actually learned to love myself while being alone. And maybe that, that is the thing that every young man and woman needs to do is they need to first love themselves in complete isolation and in complete loneliness. And then, then once they've mastered that, then, and only then could they even think about having children. I think that's a beautiful way to put a cap on all this. Absolutely. If you can really, and it sounds so, it sounds so like Oprah to say this, um, but truly nobody takes the time or very few people want to do that because it's difficult to, to be alone in your part. I mean, take now, for example, we're all in the middle of this pandemic and a lot of us are alone much more often than we would otherwise be. And having just broken up with somebody, I'm suddenly thrust into this new existence where Whereas I would usually be spending time with somebody. Now I'm alone all the time with the added fact that, you know, I'm dealing with a breakup itself, but it's been really, really good for me because I've decided like I need to master being alone. And so there are times like a complete weirdo, I'll sit in my apartment with the TV off, sit on the couch and I'll just sit there and all these anxieties will come up about like, oh, you're alone. You're such a loser. You're this. And I'll just like sit there and let it all wash over me and I won't resist because resistance only causes further pain down the road. And like there's, I've had some intensely lonely moments, but it's, it's the healing of this thing that I had. I'd created this thing in my head, like I need to be with this person. Uh, and when I'm not, I'm upset. And once you need something like that, it's like you said, like you could be with many people and be utterly alone until you can be with yourself alone and not feel that crazy urge and like that something's wrong you're never going to be happy. You're just never going to be happy. You might find your soulmate and you love that person, but that is, that is a crutch and nothing else. I mean, finding a soulmate is a wonderful thing, obviously, but until you can master being alone, 
you you're never going to be happy and you you certainly should not have kids i'll tell you that yes absolutely make sure yeah make sure that the 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 person the people that you're if you're seeking out a you know a partner or something make sure that you're not just doing it so that you're no longer alone make sure that you're doing it because that person is your soulmate and the person that you were really meant to be with and if you can't find that person then so be it um one person that we can really look up to i think is oprah since you just mentioned her she never had kids and right, something exactly. something something tells me that if Oprah had kids, she may never have gotten the chance to become Oprah. Uh, exactly right. Patrick, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to be on. This concludes the 97th episode of the Truth Island Podcast. I'm Aaron Azarad. <laughs>